0: There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of our outdoor pursuits.
1: Welcome back everybody to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast. Tonight we got Joe, Brian, and a special guest that we've had on in the past, Ross Niebuhr. Ross Niebuhr is a local here in Minnesota. Um, if you listen to any of the past episodes, we had him on a spring bear episode. Um, he's done a lot of really neat stuff. We met him through BHA and just kind of some of the other events going on around town. Um, so from here, we're going to... Tonight's is gonna go on a long winding trail. <laughs> but it's a very good one. Yeah, um well, you'll definitely. be locked in from the start, I'm I'm sure of it. So but real quick, a little bit of background. We're gonna go through Ross has done some really neat hunts in the past that a lot of people dream of. So Ross, why don't you run through
2: a few of those for us? Well first, thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. Um Yeah, so I've been pretty fortunate to uh, one, like have a pretty good network of buddies that I uh, get a chance to hunt with. And, and two, they've more than anything, have drawn some pretty awesome tags in the past. <laughs> I've drawn a <laughs> couple myself, but, uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we're the type of group that, uh, when somebody has got a, you know, a good tag, everybody's on board, to, to help them out and be a part of it. So that's awesome. Yeah. I would see the first like really big, cool hunt I got to go on was a few years ago in 2014. I, uh, I had a buddy who drew a mountain goat tag in Montana, um, and, you know, a couple of us buddies went along with them. I mean, mountain goat is something you obviously don't, doing it solo can be a little sketchy yeah. at times, so. <laughs> I would think. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we, uh, you know, that was the first, like, really big, like, like, I don't know what you call it, but, like, really out of the, out of the norm. That's yeah, really, a special like, draw
1: tag for Special sure. hunt. And, yeah. Uh,
2: and I already loved mountain goats and being a part of it and getting to help him do that. And, you know, just the challenge that comes with goat hunting is awesome. So I did that. Uh, I had a buddy draw Shires moose tag in Montana as well, which was a super cool hunt. Um, you know, there's not a ton of areas that have Shires moose. Um, and we had just an unbelievable week long hunt, uh, saw a ton of bulls, Almost got charged by a bull. He was he wasn't mad at us. He thought we were we were a lady. Yeah, I love her. He was uh, really interested in what we had going on. Uh, so
1: you're putting out the vibe.
2: Yeah, yeah we were and uh, got exciting. At, a, at one point, he was like five yards away and about six foot tall Jeez. spruce regen. You know that you couldn't run in because it was so thick and yeah, oh, it was man. it was pretty wild. But <laughs> crazy and. Uh, a couple of years ago I kind of drew my first like hard to draw tag which is actually a mountain lion tag and a really a difficult to draw like trophy unit in Montana uh, which happens to be where one of my buddies lives okay and he's uh he's a lion hunter so uh, I was applying to that specific unit uh, because I wanted to go hunt with him nice and, uh, and ended up shooting you know a real nice lion and you know, it was like the sixth day of the hunt it was a it was a hard lion hunt, I think, as lion hunts go. The weather wasn't in our favor. Yeah, mm. um, We didn't cut a ton of t- fresh tracks, but, uh, you know, I had eight days to hunt, and on day six, we, we got lucky and got it done. So, Got
1: <laughs> the sigh of relief. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's so, really cool. All those hunts would be pretty awesome to do. I think yeah. Shira's moose would be really fun.
2: Yeah. I that mean, is- you just... Like it's just not a lot of those tags floating around. No. Yeah. I
0: was going to say in the lower 48, there's not much opportunity for that. Is there? No, not really. Yeah. You know, and
2: it's not a species that exists somewhere like you can hunt Alaska Yukons or Canadian moose. Right. right. You know, just, you know, if you've got the money in your pocket, you can go do it. Right. Yeah. right. But a Shire's moose, there isn't a, there isn't a hunt that's not a super hard draw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. That's cool. crazy. I, I think that's one that people kind of overlook is like even a possibility. Yeah which yeah. I think it is extremely rare. All those tags are pretty rare to get, obviously. The mountain lion, probably the easiest out of those. Yeah, probably. And, yeah. yeah, the mountain goat and the and the moose tag. I can't imagine being
0: yeah able to draw something like yeah. that. It
1: would be pretty sweet.
0: I know we mentioned it before on the podcast what we had about spring bear, but could you share just a little bit what got you inspired to kind of chase some of these animals? Because I remember last time you maybe mentioned about your dad.
2: Yeah, Oh. Well, specifically mountain goats. Uh, I grew up with a mountain goat hanging in our house. Uh, The year before I was born, my dad went to British Columbia and hunted uh, mountain goats and and Yukon moose. And ever since, you know, being a real little kid, you know, I was enamored with mountain goats just in general. I mean, they're just a pretty awesome animal and unique. You know, they're just, they really don't have a comparison anywhere in the, in North America, that's similar. No, and the country they live in is a lot of times there's no other reason to go there, you know? <laughs> so people just don't even see it. Avoiding right. flood or not right. goat <laughs> on it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So
1: well, yeah, and that's and that's not something you see often in somebody's house, like. Yeah, you know. I've never seen it in somebody – well, you know. I take that back. I have one friend that's got a buddy that has one. But, yeah, it's pretty rare to even see that, to grow up around that. has got to be pretty cool. And listening yeah. to stories about it had to be pretty awesome, I imagine. Yeah, for
2: sure. I mean, I remember looking at the photo album he had from the trip, you know, back when you had a 35-millimeter camera on you. That's and, cool. You know, and took, like, real composed pictures. Yeah. So <laughs> it's pretty awesome. That's cool. And that's cool. So it's always kind of been, like, the top of my bucket list, like – yeah if there was one thing I was going to go all out for at some point in my life, that's what I wanted it to be. Yeah.
1: So that kind of brings us into the story that we have you here for, because that story is pretty awesome. And we talked about the luck of drawing tags. Right. But this one you had to go another angle. So why don't we get into that a little bit?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, so it all kind of started, I suppose, when I went on that mountain goat hunt in 2014 in Montana. And I'd always thought like my whole life – to get a mountain goat, I was going to have to pay a guide and go, you know, to Alaska or BC or somewhere and, and do it that way. And I, you know, it's not that I had any like problem doing it, but you know, I'd gotten into Western hunting on my own, um, just figuring it out as I went. Um, and it just felt like, especially after doing a DIY mountain goat hunt with a buddy, like. I really felt like the way I wanted to do it, and yeah. and I'd been applying for mountain goats, um, but really the chances as a non-resident of ever drawing a mountain goat tag are, you know, you could apply your whole life and never really, yeah, really have a shot at it. So I, and being it was important to me, I was actually uh, sitting with two buddies. Uh, we're actually having a couple beers after a long day of lion hunting in couple years ago and we were sitting around kind of talking and the idea of mountain goat hunting we were talking about hunting mountain goats because all three of us are big into mountain goats and the idea of the Montana governor's tag came up and it's uh you know historically has been a pretty reasonable uh reasonably priced I mean compared to like a guided hunt in BC or Alaska it was sure it wasn't that far out of the realm of realistic and particularly the added benefit of being able to scout myself you know so really instead of having a seven-day mountain goat hunt I could have a 30-day mountain goat hunt Mm -hmm. Uh, I could have my buddies come along uh, and you know whether it was scouting or on the hunt itself and you know and just do it like I've done everything else on yeah. L.S. has been on my own, you know, obviously with, usually with the help of some buddies, but, yep. um, just kind of having it be my hunt the way I wanted it to be. So, um, that was like winter of 2018, January or so. A year went by, you know, talking with my wife and everything, we decided that 2019, we we're going to give it a run. So, it was kind of a It's a good wife. I was yeah. gonna say we can't just glaze over that. That's yeah, a yeah. pretty
1: good wife.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's nothing. <laughs> right. Well, I think she's you know, she'd known for a long time how important it was sure. to me and That's uh, awesome. And uh and all that. So we you know, did the research and uh figured out where we had to go to go get it and ended up having to go to the SCI banquet in Great Falls, Montana. Mm. Uh, the same two buddies that were sitting in the basement drinking beer with me that night when we hatched the <laughs> harebrained idea came with me and, uh, and at the end of the night I'd written a little bit bigger check than I'd hoped to, but, uh, I had a mountain goat tag in my pocket. So yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, you know, and the, I guess, you know, the great, the good thing about the tag and the way it's administered in Montana is, is uh, all but a real small portion of it goes to Directly to the FWP. Nice. So cool. And directly for Mountain Goat Conservation. So, um, which was important to me. You know, in general, I'm a conservation minded person. Definitely. Yeah. That's, and uh, caring about the animals is as important as anything else. So I I was, that made me feel good that, you know, whatever check I was writing was was going to contribute to that. Sure. Totally. Be a part of the bigger thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was, then it was on. Yeah. <laughs> there was no turning back at that <laughs> no, point. I so know. No.
1: How was the, like, what kind of people were you bidding against and stuff like that on there? Is it uh, out
2: You know, <laughs> I think, you know, it's, I'd never been to an SCI function before, so mm. I wasn't really, you know, I didn't exactly know what to expect. Everybody there was super nice. Um, I'm quite confident that everybody... Like, I was approached after I got the tag by probably a dozen outfitters
1: oh. mm. uh,
2: who were all there, probably specifically looking to pitch their outfitting service to whoever got that tag. Yeah. Uh, three people came specifically for the tag. So there was obviously a little bit of competition for it. Uh, I didn't talk to either of them. Yeah. One of them was sitting with an outfitter at his table, so I, I had a pretty good idea where he was headed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I never talked to the other guy, but, you know, in general, I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, I didn't get a sense that there was a lot of like super hardcore, like DIY, like backcountry yeah. mm-hmm. type dudes there, but yeah, everybody was super nice. and Yeah. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Cool. You're all
0: there
1: for the same reason in
2: the yeah. end, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But so. t- but I will say, it being a part of that industry of of guiding people to do to do a hunt like that on your own is, that's a lot more incredible than people might realize. That yeah. you guys did that on your own, that you're like, okay, I got a mountain goat tag, and now me and a couple buddies are going to do this. Do it yourself. Yeah. That's a big deal. So anybody that's listening, just realize as we continue yeah. this story, this is a big deal. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Probably one of the hardest things to get over initially was with Thactay, you can, you can hunt any unit in the state. Okay. Um, I had some units that I'd kind of specifically were as interested in, um, just because I'd spent time like in the vicinity or like, you know, or where, uh, I'd helped hunt a mountain goat in the past or. There was just kind of a few specific areas, but really narrowing it down from like all the units down to a small enough like geographical area that I could scout it myself uh, over the course of the summer was probably one of the hardest things because there was so much country that I wanted to explore. Yeah, yeah, I you know, can so imagine. many, so many places I wanted to hike into and see, and and uh, I really had to kind of be strategic and really kind of narrow it down into you know, a few areas that I felt like I could really effectively scout. Like I could have walked around all summer. Yeah. And in the end, not really had a plan to go execute when hunting season started. So I kind of had to be disciplined in that regard because. Big time. (laughs) I would have enjoyed just wandering around all over the (laughs) place like everybody else, you know.
1: I think that goes to say for anybody going out West for the first time that, doesn't know an area or have an area in mind that when they look at a map i feel like a lot of people get that feeling oh for sure and you've been doing it a long enough time that you probably don't when you're looking at like elk areas and bear areas and stuff like that but on something new it's like oh, there's a lot of areas i haven't been to
2: well and i guess i kind of knew because i'd fallen into the same trap before you know whether Mm -hmm. it was hunting elk or mule deer or Mm -hmm. something else i'd i'd had that like big huge map sheet like yeah. the whole unit with like 100 areas that i thought looked cool you know yeah and in the end you don't hunt any of them like effectively yeah. because <laughs> right, around, right. Yeah. it's a good thing
0: this wasn't your first western
2: western yeah. hunt yeah. yeah yeah it would be a bad choice yeah for, yeah. <laughs> <hunt>. <laughs> for a yeah. lot of reasons yeah <laughs> for no other reason than like everywhere we hunted was grizzly country and yeah you know would um, you
0: say that the main uh the, the, the Western hunts you'd done previously, would you say that was kind of the main thing that you learned from those going into this hunt was trying to narrow things down to a specific, what would you say is the main attribute from those previous Western hunts that helped you on this one? Although they're not the same. Yeah, definitely.
2: I would say like definitely being able to, especially as a non-resident being able to look at maps and Google Earth and kind of translate that into like reality in your head. Yeah. yeah, totally. Because it's easy to look at like a mountain on Google Earth and be like, "Ah, that doesn't look so bad." It's right. Easy walking, <laughs> like <I> could, <laughs> and I you get there that. and oh, yeah, like oh no, we're not yeah, going not there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, it helped to kind of have some of that skill to be able to like sure. look at the map and kind of realize what that meant on the ground. Yeah, yep, cool, and uh, then be able to turn that into like actual scouting plans and and putting together like routes that I was gonna take and because you know the time I had to scout was pretty valuable.
1: That's something I think a lot of people overlook. Yeah. Planning out like your way in, your way out kind of stuff. Because if you can if you can go on like your Onyx app and and map out an area for the easiest ways out top topographically. Yeah. If you're packing an elk out or something like that, it can make a huge difference.
2: When in the summertime when it's hot and you're up on top of a ridge, like there's one thing about goats is like a lot of times you're not down in like the basins and stuff yep. where you're glad or you're looking for elk and that you're you're up on the ridge line and there's yeah. no water, you know, yeah. so just like <laughs> understanding the logistics of like like I melted a lot of snow yeah in the summertime, you know, digging it out of like little shady spots you know, so I'd have just to have something to drink yeah, so some of that like. A little more graduate level logistics. <laughs> I know right. that kind of helps a lot too. <laughs> right. So, totally, yeah. Holy. yeah Holy. So speaking of like
1: summertime scouting, how often were you out? How many days did you spend out?
2: Uh, I was out total about twenty days, probably scouting. Nice. Okay. Uh, nice. I did three trips. Um, the first trip was actually into a place uh, was in June, and we were actually going into a place that. It was really, um, like it was a nightmare to get into, but, um, we had a feel like we knew it was good goat country. We didn't really think there were going to be goats in there. We thought it was maybe too early, Okay, but really we're just trying to figure out if logistically, if it was a, if it was an area that we could possibly hunt. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was all it was cracked up to be. And, and then some, I think it was, you know. Probably halfway in, we ran out of trail hmm. and we we're bushwhacking, and it was wet. And we were getting rained on and crossing, you know, a dozen or so creeks. And, yeah. you know, and I think it was, you know, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think to where you were actually going to Glasgow, it was probably nine miles in, maybe something like that, probably about 4,500, 5,000 feet up into it. Beautiful country. We saw grizzly up there. We, Cool. You know, saw some elk. Uh, didn't see any goats on that trip, but okay. we had a good time. And
1: yeah, for sure.
2: And and realized like what it meant to like get up into that country. Yeah, and, you know if if it was something we were going to be serious about looking for goats in. Yeah. Um, you know, so that trip was really like one of the units that I was looking at. That was that trip was really kind of focused in on just figuring out whether or not we wanted to try and tackle that. Yeah, because that specific mountain range was, um, was going to be f- f- logistically the most challenging place to hunt. Okay. Just the way it's laid out, how, how deep in you had to go. Um, yeah. Access points. You know, it's, stuff. you know, you're probably crossing into the wilderness a mile or two in you hmm. know, to a nine mile hike, you know, so you're really, you're getting in there pretty deep. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was the first trip in June and, uh, and we had a great time.
1: And, yeah. Uh, all all def- your buddies from the original talk make it out for it then? Or?
2: Yeah, so four of us went in there. Um, the, actually, the two guys that came with me to get the tag itself. And uh, one of them was the buddy that had the tag in 2014. Oh, okay. And then one of our other friends also came along with on that one. Cool. Um, yeah, so four of us went in there was a good trip for sure it, su- yeah. it
1: sounds like a blast it yeah. definitely
2: like <laughs> it definitely was a good measuring stick for being in goat shape you know yeah because it was probably physically one of the nastiest places we were going to go into the rest of the summer yeah um so it was a good good barometer for where you're at yeah. what you needed to do to prepare for the rest of the yeah, the year.
0: There's something unique too about it. I feel like going in after an animal that so few people have the opportunity or try to go after when, you know, you go into it, like you said, you saw elk and you saw bears, but to go in there knowing we're here to try to find a goat, it, it changes perspective. You almost feel like you're after some legendary creature that you wonder if is there or where, you know, you might yeah. get lucky and see one or something. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: And we kind of, we we knew going in that seeing goats on that trip was probably a pretty low percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought, if anything, we might see some in some of the lower country that uh, nannies and kids might hang out in. Yeah. But the big billies were after. We kind of we knew going in. Yeah. And then when we did get up there, like I said, it was raining, and we climbed up into the clouds on that trip. So we were parts of the basin we were glassing we never even really saw okay you know we might get a fleeting look through the you know through the glass as like a cloud opened a little bit but yeah yeah, it was a lot of the country that there could have probably been some goats up there but yeah the weather is what it is yeah the weather continued to be a thing we dealt with (laughs) the whole time so
0: it's like the higher you go the the more that changes, like yeah, the more yeah. unpredictable it gets is the yeah. higher you go, you're like, okay, well, it's nice right here, but if we go up there, things are a lot different up there. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So you scouted, you said a couple times.
2: Yeah, so that okay. was that was June. Uh I did another trip in July, yep. uh, which was kind of twofold. Um scouted a couple other ranges. Um and then also did, uh, the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance is, a it's actually a kind of a branch of the Wild Sheep Foundation, but at least they're affiliated, but I'm a life member of the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance and they do, uh, goat surveys. So every summer, uh, they'll have set up a couple of surveys. It's always in support of a state, uh, conservation like their fish and game or okay, whatever go. to help them better understand the goat population on a given chunk of you know range or whatever so part of that trip we'd planned to scout but then also um participate in the goat survey so cool yeah so we went up and uh, and did the goat goat count with them um which was a lot of fun that and, sounds like fun you know, and just counting goats. Like I was kind of scouting, anyways, because I, yeah, so exactly. cause I could hunt anywhere there was a unit, I could hunt. So yeah, yeah. So we did that, and that was a lot of fun. We saw a bunch of goats, and nice. and uh, between scouting and doing that, we had a good had a good trip in July, and then August, I went back out, and August was really focused in on one unit in particular, um, and I did a thirty plus mile through hike through that range um parked my rental at one trailhead and then 3 days later came out a different trailhead and had a buddy pick me up okay um and then we did a little more scouting the rest of the weekend but that was a that was a good trip that was really like going into the area that we thought was going to be our first like our plan A for for the hunt okay um and I probably saw 200 some goats Nice. I saw wow. some decent billies that's uh, awesome it's one of the more heavily higher density of goat population and the state is in that unit but i did that all did that solo it was a cool experience cool. just that's to be cool. up there by myself for three days and saw everything you know nice bears elk mule deer cool mountain goats it's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah well, especially
1: yeah. in august too because they you're looking pretty sweet. No, I guess it's yeah. so I saw some pretty nice deer and some pretty nice elk. Yeah, so that's awesome. I can't yeah. imagine that seeing two hundred goats in three days. Yeah, it was.
2: You know, that's and some of that's cool. like that's at good one to point. Hear. Was, yeah, yeah. At one point, I saw a group of like thirty-five nannies and kids, you know, yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So it adds mm-hmm. the tally goes up pretty fast. Yeah. But, and I was able to walk the ridgeline of the whole place and knew, you know, where we could get water, where we could get where it would be easier to get like down to Timberline so yeah. we could set our tent and camp, you know, in a yep. decent spot where we weren't going to get beat up too bad because cool. it's up on that ridge line was the wind and weather and everything was pretty intense. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So that trip we, uh, Yeah, that was the last scouting trip, you know, felt pretty good. Cool. Like I knew where there's, uh, some good billies, um, had a pretty solid idea what plan A looked like, knew what plan B looked like. Um, and man, that was it. About the same time, well, no, in July, I think I found out I'd originally planned to have two, two times to go out and hunt. Um, had some issues come up with work and, uh, realized that it was, I really had one shot at it come hunting season. So which, you know, wasn't the end of the world. You know, I I felt like by the end of scouting, like, yeah. I'd got my money's worth. Yeah. Like, I was, <laughs> I'd had such a good time and spent so much time up in goat country that I was, like, I felt good about whatever happened. I yep. was, I was happy at that point. So, yep. um, but yeah, then it was just a matter of waiting until the Season. first week in October. Cool. To get after it. So awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's get, I'm excited to hear about, about this. Let's get into that. That's just, and take your, you know, just feel free just in the details. Cause a hunt like this, I know is in the details. Every hunt is, but just, you know, share whatever, you know, you, 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 there's all these big experiences, but all, you know, for people to hear kind of the intimate details, I think of something like this is cool.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Well, we'd, you know, kind of the timeline that I'd, figured out for the hunt was really kind of based on I wanted to wait as late as I thought I could without weather being a real issue Okay, um, and really jeopardizing kind of the areas that I'd scouted kind of want to wait as long as I could because they you know goats will really their hair grows probably an inch a week or something you okay. know it, it nice. gets you know that real big shaggy okay. uh, coat that they get you know kind of comes over time Yeah, Yeah, it starts filling in in September. Um, But if you see a goat that's killed the first week of September versus one killed the middle of October or November, it's like a totally different thing. They probably got five, six inches more hair. So crazy. Yeah, so (laughs) tried to wait as long as I could. Um, So we went out, like, I want to say we left out, like, the last days of September um, to head out. I had... Several buddies that were coming to join along. Um, Some of them that could be there for a couple of days. Some of them that were going to be there the whole time. Um, One of my buddies from Minnesota came out with me. So we drove out, met up with our buddies. And about a week before the hunt, maybe it was even longer than that, we could start to see the weather patterns forming. And and it was going to be, we were going to have snow for sure. Mm. Uh, Didn't exactly know how much the forecasts were changing up a ton the last minute we thankfully decided to have one of our buddies throw his wall tent in because we thought towards the end we were starting to think like "Well, we're not probably even like safely when we get out there we're probably not really going to be able to start hunting because the Mm -hmm. weather that was coming in you know it just wouldn't probably have been very smart to step off from the trailhead with what was going on so we um we got out there, you know, kind of got settled in. There was a few spots we could glass from down lower to try and see up into the area we wanted to hunt um, and nothing doing. I mean, it was socked in. Wow. I mean, you know, where we were looking at goats was probably closer to like nine, between nine and 10,000 feet. Okay. Ceiling was at about six. Uh-oh. So it was just like... We weren't anywhere close to being able to see anything. Oh man! So it was it was a little bit of a bummer to start with, but that's mountain hunting. You yeah, know, just yeah, for sure. You know, grown accustomed to that, I guess. And so we did the best we could. Um, so we got out there on Saturday, Saturday evening. We tried glass and some stuff from down low. Um, Sunday, we got up and said, "Like, hey, like, there's no point in sitting around here." Uh, we thought maybe our plan B area would seem like the weather wasn't quite so bad there. Okay. Um, so some of us shot up there to see if we could at least lay eyes on some goats, um, and maybe try and locate some of the billies that I'd found in the summertime. Yeah. So that night we, we climbed up onto a ridge up there. Um, we're looking around, uh, and just a tiny break in the clouds and located one of the big billies from the summertime. And and he <laughs> was, awesome. a, he was a tank Billy. He was, uh, I'd actually first seen him in July. I had hiked up into that range. Uh, like the first night I got out on the scouting trip Friend any of my buddies met up with me and, and saw this Billy. Uh, and, that was like, that was a pretty big relief. You yeah. Know, to have that. Yeah. I um, imagine. So we didn't have a ton of time up there. Uh, we bailed off there and said, Hey, like that's good. Like we're seeing something. We know where this Billy is. He wasn't in the exact same spot that I'd seen him in the summertime, but he was pretty close. Um, he'd kind of dropped out of like one real high Alpine basin, just down like one little bench into like a slightly lower Alpine basin. And, uh, but we didn't think he was going anywhere. So we yeah. were like, okay, we're good. We went back to camp that night, linked back up with the other guys. And, you know, so we at least had that bit of good news. Um, Monday, we kind of did the same thing. We still couldn't see up into Plan A yeah. area. And um, so a couple more of us, like same guys from the previous night, and a couple more went up to that spot that we'd. Uh, been on Sunday, just figured we might as well be looking at goats, Yeah. see what we can see. And I think we had a break in the clouds at like one in the afternoon and then maybe another one at about five and both of them were like 10, 20 minutes at yeah. most. And we, uh, but we saw goats again, relocated the billy. Uh, there's actually th- three billies, three obvious billies in there. Uh, two that were significantly bigger and uh, the biggest one, you know, he was, Pretty clearly the biggest one. The second biggest one was nice, but uh, and probably would have been a like anybody would have been happy to have him. Mm-hmm. I would have been happy to have him. Yeah. But when he was standing next to like the monster, you know, it's kind of yeah, it's a di- yeah. He looks different like, then. Well,
0: yeah. What um? Can I ask real quick? Sorry to b- break in. I just want to ask what are the parameters of legality with Billy's? Uh, is are there no any? Yep. There's, There's no. none. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. It's so different. You, different than cheap. Yeah. Okay. You don't so have the to, eye of the beholder. You can. Yeah. Take a male. Yep. Okay.
2: Well, you can actually shoot a nanny. Oh, you can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the, I think the stance that the game and fish has is they would just, they're they're difficult to judge. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Similar
0: to like bears, you know. Like it's uh, almost I don't know.
2: (laughs) I mean, after you look at enough goats, you can get a sense of like what you're looking at, Um, but it, it can be pretty tough. And depending on how much time you put in and everything, I think they probably worry a little bit about, you know, making too many people into violators. Yeah. Yeah. Or people
1: shooting them and then identifying them and leaving them kind of thing. And yeah.
2: So yeah, there's no issue with that. Okay. Um, The real, you know, speaking of identification, the really nice thing about the big Billy is he was, he was real dirty on his flanks. Okay. So one of the ways you can identify the difference between, uh, billies and nannies is billies tend to like scratch out of bed so a lot of times their flanks will be a lot dirtier um you know you can tell from the horn configuration yeah you know there's ways to tell um the like surefire way is is um watching them pee
0: yeah okay sure
2: so a a billy like stretches out like almost like stretches forward with his legs sticking out behind him when he pees Mm mm-hmm and a nanny just squats more like a female dog. Okay. Uh, when she pees so and they almost every time they get up out of a bed they pee. So you so you've got that, you know, to fall back on. <laughs> yeah. It. Cool. But,
1: um, that's awesome. I've got to watch one Billy pee. Yeah. <laughs> it was the strangest <laughs> thing in the world. If
2: you ever uh if anybody listening ever has a mountain goat tag, the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance has a ton of resources on this and they have a a video that they show before every goat survey it's i think it's available on youtube it's probably on their website Uh, nice but it's probably one of the better resources i've seen for uh determining the sex of a mountain goat cool so that's out there and people are interested to check that out like there's a lot of information that get into more detail on the horn configuration stuff cool Um, but that was super helpful for me yeah Um, yeah and then just looking at hundreds of goats over the course of the summer, yeah, you know, it was kind of
0: you lay eyes on enough of them, yeah, and yeah, cool,
2: yeah. So that was Monday, and it was it was probably mid afternoon on Monday. Um, we had kind of decided, like looking at the weather. We were just occasionally, if we climbed up on one of the high spots, we could get a weather report on our phones, and and it became clear that you know we were probably. Like we weren't going to get up into plan A probably until Wednesday evening. Oh, okay. And, you know, kind of the last day I had to hunt was, um, like, I don't even know if I could have really hunted Saturday morning, but like really, so kind of what we were down to, especially cause this was my only opportunity was like, go up. If we were going to go into plan A, we'd go in Wednesday night, uh, hunt Thursday would pretty much have to come out Thursday night because we would, if we weren't on something or didn't have a goat down, we were going to go to plan B where we at least had goats located and knew where there was a nice billy to try and do a last ditch and uh, uh, get something on the ground. So we, so at that point I just kind of waited out and was like, you know, this isn't worth it. Like even these, where these goats were at in plan B was no, it was no no easy it wasn't going to be easy at all yeah. you know, like, to get at these billies. So it's like, well, like, I think we just need to call it. So like halfway through the afternoon, uh, a couple of my buddies b- bailed off the ridge, um, went back to the wall tent, broke camp down uh, cause it was like 60, 70 miles away and, uh, and relocated it closer to where we were, okay. um, and that evening, you know, we had that break again at about 5 p.m. Uh, saw the big Billy, got some pretty decent video of him, you know, kind of had got a pretty good inventory of what was all down in that base and had some time to, like, think through kind of how we would maneuver on him to get down in there. So we were glassing him from probably a mile and a half away okay. or so, uh, between a mile, mile and a half. Um And between us and them was this big alpine basin. Like we were glassing from above timber line. There was some timber in the bottom and an alpine lake. And then they were kind of up on the next, on the opposing like ridge face. Okay. So we, uh, you know, that evening we kind of had a little time to collect our thoughts and figure out what it looked like. And and we went down that night, talked it through with the rest of the guys. And that next morning we were we were hoping that we were going to get up in there and get after him. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that next morning, you know, you're feeling first time, like kind of feeling amped up, like that game day kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Going <laughs> Here on, we and, go. and, uh, you know, just being at the truck, like it was icy, snowy, like snapping the crampons on and getting everything, like get it up to go. It was, it was feeling pretty pretty fired up and we got up there on the ridge Um, it was pretty decent weather that morning we could see right away and we located the located that big Billy Uh, he was in a spot that we thought he was pretty stockable and right below us was like three avalanche shoots through the timber and uh, and we're like well like we just drop right down these avalanche chutes. Like, there's timber on either sides. We can kind of hug the edges. Hopefully, like, they won't see across and yeah. notice us. Like, all summer long, the goats, all the goats I'd seen have been, like, they're just not super skittish. Hmm. Like, they, if you get in there, like, close to them, they are, but like from a mile away, like, right. they're not reacting. Like, right. they see you, but they're not concerned. Like, they have plenty of time to hop up in some cliffs. And, right. So, I think we were a little overconfident. Probably like a little like too much adrenaline pumping. I yeah, was gonna say. <laughs> just got a little sitting and watching of for ourselves. a summer
1: might do that to you when yeah. you finally yeah. get the opportunity.
2: So we, you know, we had to scrub like fifteen hundred feet down these avalanche chutes, and we just just bombed off the top. And, <laughs> I mean, as soon as we started going down, like and got close to like the timber. Like, it was clearly, like, basketball-sized boulders or bigger, covered up with snow, you know, and wearing steel crampons. Like, every time your foot goes through the snow, it's, like, clack, you know, and Uh, hitting on the rocks. And we were about halfway down, and I think every goat in the whole basin was staring at us. And we were just like, what do we do? Like, just stop here. Like, we're not going to kill a goat if we just hang out, you know, like – Maybe the best things to do is just get out of sight because mm-hmm. clearly they'd been able to like pick up our movement dropping down through there. And yeah, so we did. We just dropped to the bottom. There's timber around this alpine lake. We got down into that timber and kind of hold up for a little while. Uh, the big billy had moved up kind of towards the head of the basin, um, which there was some really steep shoots and like kind of a color that came off the top. And he was clearly like the escape cover that he was going to bail into if things got dicey. Yeah. Um, he was kind of <laughs> heading up that way. We thought maybe th- we didn't exactly know where he'd went because there was some scattered like white bark pine and little scrub timber up there. And he ended up popping out at one point like a few hundred yards above the lake, uh, almost like within shooting range. And I we were say, kind of shocked. Yeah. But uh, we got (laughs) close to him, and we were having a heck of a time, like, judging him. See, had uh, seen male mountain goats. They have a gland on them around the base of their horn. And the closer it gets to the rut, that thing swells up. And we're looking at this goat, and probably a combination of his body size and those glands made it really difficult to, like, figure out what kind of horns were on his head. Yeah. Like sometimes you'd look at them and you're like, they're huge. And sometimes you look at them and you're like, oh, I'm not totally sure. We kind of made a move on him when he was in that spot. It was hopeless. Like he knew <laughs> he what, knew what was, what was going, going on. And uh, so the end of that day was kind of, you know, we were a little bit crestfallen. We had kind of a close to an opportunity on that second biggest billy. I was, I was weighing the options out on that one, never really ended up having a shot at him, So it didn't really matter. Um, and then, you know, kind of the difficult part of that basin was there was no way back out of it the way we came. So we'd end up that when we dropped down in there that day, one of our, one of my buddies stayed on top so he could drop back down to the rigs and drive all the way out like basically all the way back out to the highway and then come back into a different trailhead because we had to walk like that creek all the way out. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> climbing back Dang up it. those avalanche chutes. Was, yeah, a question. Been, yeah. yeah. Well, that's not reasonable.
1: So. On the crampons, that's something that I, I don't know if everybody really thinks about that or realizes that that when you get into goat hunting, there's a different amount of gear that you have to or should have, especially the later yeah. in the season. You Alpine get. gear. Yep. Yeah. Crampons it's, and
2: ice axes. <laughs> safety becomes like. kind of a an issue with that yeah. stuff, and they're definitely yep. worth their weight in gold yeah. when you're cruising around up in that icy, snowy, rocky stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't have the big like. Ice climbing ones with the big toe picks, but just, you know, a good solid set of steel crampons yeah. makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So that night we hiked out, I think we were all a little beat down, you know, cause uh, where we thought it was, these goats were pretty approachable, just the way they reacted to us when we dropped into that basin and how quick they were to uh, move off and get into some really difficult terrain sure kind of i don't know like i say we're maybe a little overconfident just the way they'd been in the summertime and felt like it was going to be wasn't going to be that much of a problem but um we decided that night like well we're best not to go back in there the next day Mm. um that billy by the end of the night that big billy was probably two thousand feet above us like he'd Gone into full goat mode, yeah, like up through the cliffs and was hanging way <laughs> up high. And we we're like, Oh, like we weren't even sure he was going to come back down, yeah. Like the rest of the week, we we're like, well, That goat might just be screwed up for the rest of the week. Like, yeah. he, we maybe need to readjust our like what our expectations are. It's um, like he was showing you, this is how formidable it will be to get me,
0: yeah. <laughs> Let me show you where I can go and where he
2: was. Like, it was just like there was. Physically, no possible. It, it wouldn't even have been a responsible question. to shoot him up there because yeah. I don't know what you'd have, how you would have recovered him. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so the next day we um, decided to look into another area of that same range that we were in and see if um, we could locate a couple other billies that we'd seen in the summer, and uh, so. We split up. Some guys went low. The rest of us we hiked up basically over the top of the range, and uh, came in from the east side of it. Climbed up over the crest, walked along the crest, and we're glassing down into the west side of the range. Um, it was a it was a really long, like tough hike for basically no results. We saw some moose. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> It was pretty, uh, it was cool country Yeah, and saw a lot of cool stuff, but, uh, no goats, saw some bears and that was about it. Uh, so the next night was Thursday and, uh, or the next day was Thursday. We decided we'd go back into that, back to the spot. We would, uh, screwed all the goats up on Tuesday and, and see what we could do. And so bright and early, we're hiking back up onto that Ridge Yep. Um, it initially didn't look very promising. We could see some nannies and kids. They were in a spot that kind of made us think that maybe some of the goats had moved like around the back side of that ridge into the next drainage. We weren't, mm. just weren't seeing them where we had been seeing them. And uh, a little nervous for a little bit. Um, but we just, you know, we stayed on the glass and and just happened to catch, like, we were actually thinking about just dropping down into the basin and being down in there because we thought, well, maybe they, they'd already bedded up. Maybe they'll come back in. We can't really stay up here and wait for them to like start moving in the afternoon because yeah. the amount of time it's going to take us to get down there. Yeah. Especially as slow as we realize we are going to have to go, um, in order to be quiet. Like we figured we better get down there and, uh, But before we took off, I happened to catch some movement through the trees. Instantly, between the size of the glands on that Billy's head and the dirty flank that he had, uh, I was pretty confident I was looking at that that big Billy that had been way up high. Yeah. And he'd come back down, was at like the edge of the timber, within a few hundred yards of that alpine lake. And uh, it was like couldn't be any better yeah. uh we watched him he bedded down in the timber with next to kind of an avalanche slide with a younger billy that we'd been seeing and and well, i don't know we it was like meant to be i guess yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we got our act together uh instead of going through the avalanche shoots this time we went <laughs> off like the down the ridge a little bit further and went down through the timber okay which was significantly more difficult to get down through. It was just slippery, yeah. and a lot harder to get down. It was super, still super steep. And uh, I think it took probably two and a half, three hours to scrub 1,500 feet down through there. Ugh. and uh, But we were in the timber the whole time. We stayed quiet because we were going so slow. And yeah. we were right in the timber next to the lake uh, when we got to the bottom, which was perfect. We kind of moved up to that same spot along the edge of the lake, uh, tucked in the timber to where you could glass across to that far side of the basin. And, uh, two of my buddies stayed there, got on, got the glass all set up. And then the other two that were with me, there were five of us, uh, there that day and they came with me. They had cameras and stuff. They videoed, we videoed most of the, most of the hunt pretty well. Cool. Yeah. Um, but they came around with me on the stock. We knew, I mean, we were pretty confident that Billy had moved. Um, he was, like, backed up against some cliffs that were in the timber. Um, there's no reason why he would have gone anywhere. Uh, at points when we were in the timber descending, we couldn't see him exactly, so it's tough to know for sure, but we felt pretty good. Um, worked around the timber around the side of the lake and just got to where we um, comfortable spot to shoot, uh, where we thought they were going to feed out and, uh, started waiting and glassing and just letting (laughs) things play out as they, as they would. Yeah. And, uh, I think we'd been there maybe 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and this was, this was so pretty early in the day. Like we we weren't really anticipating them getting up and moving quite yet, but, um, and I was kind of experimenting with different. Like shooting spots and figuring out where the best rest was going to be, and and looked up, and I think about the same time we all kind of saw the young Billy stand up and start moving right to left out into that avalanche slide, and you know I quick got back over to my pack. Um, He fed out probably it was about two hundred yards from where we were, Um, and. Just got settled in and waited for the big Billy to come. And it was probably 10 minutes later he stood up and started moving, following that younger Billy towards that opening. And, you know, he came into an opening and I could see his head and I could see his side. At that point at 200 yards, even like my scope was on, like goes up to nine power and I was looking at him through that and I was like, he's – he's big that's definitely him like there's no question in my mind that i'm looking at the right goat yeah he moved a little bit further through that opening it was about a two foot by two foot opening in the timber and uh you know I asked my buddies i'm like are you on him? like are you are you catching this and they're like, well, don't you want to wait for him to get out in the open? And I was like, I've got a two foot by two foot opening <laughs> in the timber right now. It's perfectly clear. It's centered right on his vitals. Like, perfect. Like, yeah, I'm shooting. Like, yeah. just, there's just too much at <laughs> too stake. Too much I can wrong here. Now, so. yeah, and, uh, and I flipped the safety off and held right, you know, right in the pocket behind the shoulder and let one go and the first hit was perfect nice right behind the shoulder uh he he like quick kind of took a handful of quick steps out into the <laughs> avalanche shoot i'd already jacked another round into the chamber uh put another one right and within the holes were probably an inch and a half from each other right nice. behind the shoulder and put another one right through there he was still on his feet <laughs> went about another 30 40 yards kind of behind a tree to where I couldn't see him Jeez. like I couldn't get a clear shot anyways so I'm jumped up from my position and like started charging towards him uh got another round in the chamber and got a rest on the small pine and put a third shot in him and that put him down that was that was it I think total from where I first shot was maybe 40, 50 yards that he that he went, oh. you know, probably in ten seconds it was all over. But um and yeah. what
0: were you using for a rifle?
2: Uh, I was shooting a seven mm 8 Okay, wow. uh, with all hundred and forty grain all copper nice. bullets. It's actually a Kimber Mountain Ascent. Okay. Yep. It's the yep. whole it's great mountain rifle. You know the whole thing with scope is. Scope and fully loaded with ammo is less than six pounds. Crazy. So, awesome. Yeah. It was actually, I got it for my life membership with BHA.
0: Okay, yep. So, so how was that feeling when you saw him actually go down and you knew, you're like, all right.
2: Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like I don't know, like it was one of those feelings I didn't quite, almost didn't even know, like shock. Yeah. I think I'd put so much time and effort into <laughs> the whole thing that, you know, was hard to believe that it actually had all come together yeah uh you know my buddies kind of let me just go up to him on my own and and i walked up to him and i and the whole time i was you know i was never super concerned about like score or anything like it's not like i was dead set on shooting of whatever size billy sure i I wanted to shoot a mature like nice representative yeah like, like a So much with a mountain goat is just having that real mature looking kind of horse face on them. Yeah. The big, you know, bodies. Goats are kind of almost, it seems to me anyways, they're kind of different from other animals where they'll gain the majority of their body size they're going to gain in the first few years of life. And then you see like their horns continue to grow. Mm. goats are almost, seems like, you know, they've probably grown 80 plus percent of their horn length. In the first four years. Okay. But their bodies just seem like they keep growing. Yeah. Like a really big mountain goat is like dwarfs, you know, a less mature goat just from a body size perspective, more so than horn length. Cool. Um, But yeah, so when I got up to him, just like looking at his face, you know, and the horns and everything, I was just kind of blown away, like (laughs) how big he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, even if you know you're looking at a billy and a mature billy, like until you see him on the ground up close, you're just, it's hard to really grasp it all. Yeah. Well, I
1: think that's a, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to point out because everybody always goes with that. Well, if you can see him through glass, you can get to know him or whatever. And yeah. you you really see these animals and why do you have to get any closer kind of thing. And yeah. when it comes to the anti-hunting sentiment. Yeah. Well, there's a perfect example. You've been watching that goat for how long, you've seen him how many times, and then you walk up to him and you have a completely different sentiment.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was for sure. Like, I'd first seen that billion, like I said, in July. Yeah. I saw him again in August. I'd spent a lot of time looking at him. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, just walking up to him was was surreal. Just, yeah. Like, it seemed like such a large, long part of my life I'd been thinking about hunting a yeah. mountain goat and getting a mountain goat and then it was like, there it, it is. is yeah and uh you know i think for all of us too like we'd had such with those glands on his head we'd had such a difficult time like really being 100 percent certain what he was yep. yeah um and the glands on him were you know talking with Pete Munich from the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance, who's probably looked at as many mountain goats as about anybody else. And, um, the main mountain goat biologist in region three in Montana, like said that the glands on him were just unbelievable. They were legitimately like bigger around than a hockey puck hmm. and just, just as thick, if not thicker. So like his horns, like the bottom inch and a half of his horns were almost always masked by those glands. glands are and crazy. when you looked at them straight on, even probably the bottom two, two and a half inches where you couldn't see it because these big black glands just swallowed them up. So wow. you got up to them and looked at them and was just like kind of blown away. by them. <laughs>
0: It's like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, so, Crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, it, was, awesome.
2: it was still pretty early in the day. Uh, so we had time, to, you know, we got a bunch of good pictures and, um, it was really cool to have, you know, my buddies with me. The um, Two of the guys were the guys that, uh, one of them was the guy who had the tag in 2014. Another one of them was the other guy that came with me to help him out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like I said, a couple other really good friends. So we got a bunch of good pictures, kind of capped the whole thing off and got to caping them out. And we had... We knew we were, we were really hoping we were going to have to come out the bottom of that drainage that day. So we pre-positioned <laughs> the rig down there at the bottom at the trailhead. So we uh, got them all skinned out, you know, broke them apart and got them all out. I think we, I don't remember right off the top of my head when I, what time it was in the afternoon when I got them. I think we started walking at 5.30 and I think we got to the truck about 9.30 That night, somewhere in that neighborhood, yeah,
1: plenty of time for celebration beers. Yeah,
2: beer and pizza that night. (laughs) Yeah, I bet.
1: Nice. So, gosh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah,
2: it was just, i just say it was pretty. It was a pretty unbelievable experience. Yeah, probably not something that I'll, you know, top in my hunting career, and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah, yeah. that spot sounds amazing too. Yeah. It was
2: it was a super cool area, just yeah. um, you know, being by that alpine lake and just you know, like the back of the that drainage just went thousands of feet up, Crazy. You know, just sheer yeah. rock and ice, wow, and everything up the backside. It was really it's a pretty sweet spot. Crazy. Yeah, well, What's
0: I think thing? I probably speak for my well for for definitely for us sitting in this room and. And then all the listeners that uh, we appreciate you telling us that story because that yeah. is pretty unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty sure. cool. Not every day you get to hear a story like that. I was yeah. gonna say tonight was kind of like a good old fashioned hunting story, but it wasn't. It was a little <laughs> more than a good old fashioned hunting story. It was. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. And as you're explaining it, I'm just pick- trying to picture these things in my mind, and you know, you never can do it justice, even with photos and video yeah. of what it was like, but even just trying to picture some of these things in my mind, I'm like, gosh, man, that's great.
2: Well, I think the best part of the whole thing was just, the, you know, being able to scout and do it all. Yeah. You know, to have that much history with the Billy, you know, he was the first mountain goat I saw scouting this summer. That's cool. Wow. He was, it was the, we didn't see any goats in, in June, uh, which we kind of knew we weren't. In July, it was like the first night I got there, and I burned up onto that ridge with like an hour and a half of daylight just to try and do something. Yeah. And when I actually first saw him, it was like 80 yards away. I'd popped up over the top <laughs> of this ridge, just poking my head over into this avalanche, <laughs> shooting there he lay with two other billies. Wow. 80 yards away, and I think I got to like 65 yards. but It was so dark, like... I couldn't really get good pictures of him, but I could just tell from body size that he was a big, big belly. That's That's cool. See him again in August and, you know, just the amount of sweat and miles and boot leather and everything that went into the whole thing (sighs) was was pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks again. Absolutely. That was 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 really cool to hear.
1: And yeah, like Brian said, you know, I was kind of picturing the whole thing in my mind as we were going through it. I was like, God. Just like I said, that last area where you ended up getting them—that sounds like an awesome
2: spot. Yeah, Yeah. it was was pretty wild, and to sit there and watch it for days. Yeah, the weather just being what it was and contending with that just all added to the yeah to the experience. You got your money's worth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was saying, squeezed every ounce out of that. Yeah, that's good.
0: Well, cool. (laughs) Well, Ross, we're gonna have to have you on again, and you keep kind of keep us updated with your adventures because it's awesome to hear from you and you're knowledgeable like you said before you're you're definitely conservation focused and with contact outdoors that's kind of what we're looking for is people like that so you're the perfect dude for 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 us to have the privilege to talk to
2: well it's fun to come on and chat with you guys for sure
0: thanks everybody for listening and if you get the chance go follow ross is that okay then follow you on instagram and
2: yeah, at our neighbor. Okay. R N I E B U R. All right. don't
0: spam him with anything or <laughs> don't, don't bother there's... him. Just look at his beautiful hunting trips. Yeah, there's yeah. some there's
2: some pictures of the goat on there and cool. Some yeah. of the guys that I was with. And uh, you can see some of the country we were we were again, hunting oh, around in. So
0: all right. Well, we'll see you on the
2: next one, everybody.
0: The contact outdoors crew would like
2: to send out a sincere thank you to all of our listeners backcountry dreaming podcast is brought to you by contact outdoors and directed by brian holberg original music and audio production by Dakota rankin connect with us online links to our website instagram and facebook can be found in the show notes